The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. That was a very uh, civilized and relaxed sounding pour of the farm. I want you to slosh it in there. I know. I should have poured that way more aggressively. <laughs> a little more noise <laughs> right. behind the pour. You got to save some for it, us. It really yeah. was. It was. Yeah. There was no glug. There was nothing. You want the bounty. It's just, you know. It, the it, bounty is here where yeah. we're at. Uh, yeah. I mean, let's, like, let's just get down to but it. But we like bounty in the glass, too. Right. Yes. <laughs> I didn't want to, uh, you know, upstage the birds and the bees and the weed whacker. <laughs> <laughs> I was well, a little bit worried about that. But you know what? Today. The, the weed whacker is perfect because then you know that we're at an organic farm. Right. Right. Because they're not spraying Roundup. That's exactly right. right. No Roundup. <laughs> no Roundup. Roundup free Sonoma, right? Exactly. Isn't and our goal. All roundup of it. Free world. 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 Yeah, let's let's make it the world. That's that's what we're doing here. <laughs> so um, where are everybody. where are we, Bart? So welcome, who are we, Bart? To the winemakers. <laughs> um, Classic. We cold today intro are about uh, a mile, maybe a mile and a half away from the Sonoma Plaza, um, at the Haystack Ranch, and we're here with Jerome Cooney. Cunny. Cunny. Thanks for I'd having me. Wrong. <laughs> the farmer yes. here at Haystack Ranch. Got that out of the way. The rest is easy. Right, exactly. And Dusky Estes, yeah, got that one right. Woo. Yay! And Dusky is the executive director of an organization doing amazing work. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, called Farm to Pantry. Um, and what Farm Pantry does is they grow and glean vegetables from farms all over Sonoma County, and then all of the food is donated. And um, <laughs> I, I sorry guys, I get this way. I don't know what it is. I think that's what captivated me about um, Chef Cycle is the work that's being done, you know. And there, this makes me emotional. Um, Chef Jose Andres makes me emotional, um, and and so I think it's important that we share this with everybody. It's not winemaking, it's not grape growing, but it's feeding people. So welcome, you guys. We're so happy to be here yes, with you, you and with each other every day. Welcome to the farm. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to compose myself here. Someone else right. take over. Have a, gla- have a glass of Mars on there, Bart. <laughs> Pull yourself together. Now, it is, but this is, you know, um, <laughs> we are in the heart of one of the most agriculturally powerful and benefit you know places in the world and uh, you know when every week we get on here and we talk about wine and we talk about grapes and and that's by far the biggest crop that's grown around here and that's cool but it um doesn't actually put food in people's bellies uh and um we put a lot of resources into the, the agriculture in sonoma county and most of its grapes um so to talk about the farming and the vegetables and, and produce and these things that we do so well in Sonoma County um, and here steps away from the plaza and uh, downtown Sonoma doing it um, is pretty awesome. This so, oasis. Totally. Yeah. Because for, for me, I don't live in Sonoma. Um, I've worked the last, I don't know, 15, 13 years in Sonoma, but I've never been here before. I've never even seen this place before. Um, no reason. Well, this is, uh, and that's also like have. a fairly, well, let's, uh, let's, let's start at the beginning, shall we? For crying out loud. Well, can I, uh, can I say that okay. uh, just if, um, for people that, um, know Dusky, Dusky is one of my favorite local chefs and, um, who, if you don't know her, um, contestant on Iron Chef, um, on one of my favorite shows periodically, the Triple G as a judge. <laughs> and I was, I was actually, it's the one of those. G? Guys, guys grocery, grocery games, games. Oh, and it's one of my triple it's, d and then they made it oh yeah he likes the triples he likes the triples and and it's one of those shows that i put on during the day and just have on um all day i love food i love what guy does making them um do crazy shit 
and and one of one of my favorite shows was just on last week and it had um carl ruiz and it was when guy brought on the the spicy chefs and he didn't want to tell carl and so he he like hid everyone and then brought him out at the last minute and carl started sweating just seeing the chefs that were coming on because he brought the chefs from you know vietnam and thailand and they're literally juicing ghost peppers and serranos (laughs) to put in shit and he's he would torment him um to no end um but if, if if you don't know Dusky, then uh, her and um, um, her husband um, also had Zazu over in Sebastopol. And then uh, if you don't know the bacon, the Black Pig Meat Co. Um, so she's I'm just a big fan of Dusky. So I just want in case you in case you didn't know who she was, um, one of our um, local treasures. And Carl was dear. Uh, Carl came in <sighs> 17 uh, to cook. After the after and during the fires at the fairgrounds in Santa Rosa, um, we cooked at the fairgrounds together for three weeks, five thousand people a day. Wow! Um, it was epic, and Carl was a dear bud, and uh, we sent our kids on a mission to go get some donuts while we were cooking, and um, Carl handed them a wad of cash and told them to buy out the whole store. <laughs> so of course my kids were game, and uh, they. You know, they didn't they got to close early that day because they made all their money on all their donuts uh, and we got to feed all the people cooking, too. So it was awesome. And one of my favorite wine tastings, one of my most memorable wine tastings was um, when Eric Flanagan used to have his property up in Bennett Valley. Yes. And I was invited to do a wine tasting one day. It was it was a morning like like this morning was it was like foggy and overcast over there. Got up there and never been there before. Go up the long drive. And guess who's making charcuterie boards for us? Dusky. <laughs> and those wines were epic. Philippe Melka totally. was yep. the maker. Yep. And the, the just the those vineyards. And I mean, I was out of breath um, taking the tour, walking up and down those vineyards. <laughs> I feel sorry for the people who got to pick those grapes. But anyway, that was it's it sticks in my mind as one of those most memorable wine tastings I've ever done. I don't even remember how I got invited. I think Eric used to come to um, a state or the Girl in the Fig or something, and and so we probably got to know each other um, through there. Yeah, I'm not sure how I got invited either, but I was happy to be there. Uh-huh. I guess because I had to provide the meat. Yeah, no, and I was so happy you were there. <laughs> if I had known there was an option to provide meat to this recording, I would have made that request. <laughs> I know, I would have done it. Something we can run wine. out and grab a cucumber. All right, perfect. Here we go. <laughs> so I think maybe the way to start would be to start with Farm to Pantry and tell us a little bit about the work that's being done there, how it got organized. And then we can go back and forth for this ranch being an example of the other ranches that you work at and the ranches that you just drive by and go, hey, look at all those apples. How do we get those apples? So I have to say, I get choked up, too, just so you know. You're not alone. I know that. Uh, I know that. (laughs) I get choked up on um, how a group of people seemingly doing little things can, like, affect big things. Um, So... Um, I took over Farm to Pantry in April of 2020. So it was what was the beginning of the pandemic. And Farm to Pantry was in Healdsburg only. And it was about 30 volunteers on about 30 backyards. And it took Farm to Pantry 10 years to get to its first a million servings. We are now gleaning over 1.5 million servings a year. Uh, we are now over 500 gleaner volunteers on over 400 properties so haystack farm is one of 400 properties where we have teams it is all in sonoma we do a little bit in napa we've we've gleaned maybe on less than five properties in napa um we have delivered food as far south as san francisco and marin and as far north as lake county Uh, but essentially we're in all of sonoma county now uh, we moved out of the boundaries of Healdsburg. Um, and this work is incredible because uh, like chefing, um, I was a chef of a farm-to-table restaurant, as you mentioned, called Zazu for two decades. And we lost it in a flood uh, that occurred in the Barlow in Sebastopol in 19. 
And we shifted because, you know, we had to keep remaking. So we shifted to food trucking and our other family business, which was Black Pig Meat Co. And you can get our bacon at Oliver's, Andy's, Big John's, um, or online at blackpigmeatco.com. And we ship a professional, right? you see all even, over the country. didn't need any prompting on the plug. <laughs> no, I, I Do you will, have social media that we can follow, too, on that desk? I will plug it away. <laughs> it's the best bacon around. But so um, we shifted to the bacon and the food trucking. And so you can find us at, at different, you know, wineries or music festivals like Bottle Rock. And um, we then the pandemic came and we happened like everybody in the food industry. We lost 250 events and and thereby we lost our livelihood. <laughs> um, and so I had to hit the pavement to look for a job. I, I actually did look for jobs in the wine industry. Um, at Airbnb, you name it. I applied all over. Um, I applied actually uh, to be, I thought I would be a great, I didn't get the job. I didn't even get an interview. I applied with Boisse to be their um, vineyard. Just looking for trouble. Their vineyard, <laughs> like I, I would think people selling grapes, like the vineyard contact, like to work with the farmers, basically. Okay. I thought I would be great at working grow, with grow, the farmers. Grower relations. That's what it's yes, called. Thank relations. you so much. I applied for that job. I did not get a call back. Uh, but I didn't, you know, pull. I could have called John Charles and been like, hey, dude, like no one's calling me. I hope that um, somebody in the Boise collection <laughs> listens to this and then goes, John Charles. We done fucked what, up. What did we do? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so um, I was looking for jobs all over the county, uh, even in San Francisco. Um, and yeah, Airbnb said I wasn't qualified to be their events coordinator, which I was like, you didn't even look at my resume. But of course, there were no events because of the pandemic. So well, what I does think, an events coordinator do for Airbnb? Well, I'm sure they have events all over the place. I could totally have done that job. But I think they had no <laughs> events. And so rather than saying okay. we launched this position before the pandemic and now we don't need it. They said I wasn't qualified, and I was I. But at any rate, they meant overqualified. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. But well, anyway, so farm to pantry was the only job I could get. No, not not true. Um, somebody told me to go on a glean, and I thought I knew a lot about agriculture, and I had never heard that word. So that's what I was. I wanted you to to define that for people because there's going to be listeners that don't know what the term glean means. I had no idea. I yeah. knew. I, at Zazu, we bought from over 200 small farms. I know a lot about agriculture in Sonoma County. I know a lot of farmers. I had never heard of this word. It comes from the Bible, and it means to gather bit by bit. Um, and basically, generally, it, it's used to refer to gathering excess in a field uh, after the farmers have gone through to harvest what they could sell. There's always more out there that is totally edible. It might be too big. For whatever reason, it's not worth paying the farmer to harvest. Um, and so I somebody said you should go on a glean. So not knowing what that word was, <laughs> I uh, reached out to Farm to Pantry and I signed up to go out on a glean. And they took me to this amazing farm in Healdsburg uh, that I am very familiar with in my meat life uh, called Front Porch. Um, the Front Porch duo the Buckleys um had a project where they brought these Chinta Senese pigs uh from Spain or from Italy through Portugal <laughs> and to the United States I don't know what it kind of a, pigs they are it sounded like something two year journey sound tasty though the they're considered they're a belted pig they're considered the best salumi pig uh, and they recruited my husband, John Stewart, to yep. make their first prosciutto. So I had been on this farm before all about pigs in years past. And so I knew the Buckleys. I loved the Buckleys. But this farm grows amazing food that they gave to Farm to Pantry. And they also grow amazing flowers. And they happen to also be friends of Haystack Farm. Um, but so I end up at uh, Front Porch Farm, which is epic. Uh the best blueberries you've ever had in your life the most huge gorgeous heads of cauliflower um and all sitting amongst incredible flowers right uh on the on the russian river in healsburg and so uh i fell in love i think farm to pantry intentionally planned that i would go to front porch which is epic location i fell in love with the whole idea of 
physical labor, which I already did in a kitchen. I love physical labor. And then at the end of your physical labor in a kitchen, you feed somebody and they come up and say, that was the best I ever had. And you get the immediate hit of gratification, um, which is why I like to cook on high. I cook on high flame, high heat. I I have <laughs> five too. minutes attention span. Um, <laughs> and this is why my husband and I make an amazing team because he has patience that I don't have. And he... Prosciutto takes patience. Yeah. Right? Prosciutto takes four years. <laughs> yeah. And things are measured by grams. Yeah. Like you could never count on me to do any cured meat. <laughs> That's pastry chef shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. He is like... Totally slow. He even has a snail tattooed on his arm. Um, So we are opposite and we need each other's strength. Um, But so I fell in love uh, at Front Porch. And then what happened in the pandemic, as as many of us know, all the restaurants ended up shuttering overnight. And in Sonoma County, we are truly farm to table. Restaurants buy directly from farms. And farms have great relationships with restaurants but so when the restaurants shuttered overnight the farmers lost their buyers overnight and they did not have the right food in the ground for retail they did not have the connections at the grocery stores they did not have the right packaging for grocery stores so there was tons of food out there with not landing anywhere and gonna rot in the fields and i happen to have an incredible rolodex in my phone of every farmer so when I landed at Farm to Pantry, I, you know, hit the digits um, and was able to connect all these farms. And um, because of my opportunities on Food Network and PBS, um, many locals know me and so uh, and love the Farm to Table movement that I support and represent. And so it was easy to be the Pied Piper and get the village activated because people wanted to get out into our community and help and were afraid, as was I, which is why I went on a glean, because in the fires I headed to the kitchen. But in the pandemic, I was afraid to head into the kitchen because of my parents being in their 70s and 80s, and I didn't want to bring home illness to them. And so I was like, what do I do? And somebody said, go on a glean. And so then all of a sudden, we had a village in Sonoma County that wanted to give back. And outside, you can be six feet apart, and you can do good work, and you can see the immediate gratification. So that is how Farm to Pantry just exploded, Um, was actually, that's the sunny side or the silver lining of the pandemic is that the village got out. And um, what happened also in the community at the same time, as you all know, because you're involved in grapes, is um, at the same time that year we had the fires. And when the fires came through and 80% of the grapes went unharvested due to taint, the farm workers were in a terrible pickle because as we all know, just like all of you, they survive on two seasons they survive on pruning and harvest and their money runs out from pruning just before harvest and then they restock the coffer to make it to pruning and when 80 percent of the grapes go unharvested in our community there is no work (laughs) and so the farm workers the lines at the at all the hundred community partners that we work with exploded at the same time Uh, In Sonoma County, one in three was facing food insecurity. Uh, An example, it is wild because there's so much bounty here. Like there is food here. This is why I was a chef here is because we we are actually so close to the source. We grow the bounty for all of the Bay Area's like hot restaurants. Um, And you the closer to the source you are to me, the better it is because it's picked ripe. But so to have one in three in our community hungry, I'll just give an example of one nonprofit that we work with. We work with a nonprofit called Corazon in Healdsburg that helps undocumented workers. And um, before the pandemic, Farm to Pantry would share food with about 40 of their high need families. When the pandemic hit, that line of cars became 400 cars long. Wow. So basically this to me is the silver lining is that we had a community stand up and say, no, when we have all this food, we're going to go get it. And so just this morning we gleaned here at Haystack, this incredible place. Um, 
and I just left a glean uh, actually at Martinelli Vineyards um, of apples. They have a huge apple orchard that I did actually with Folio, which is another wine brand. So, you know, they brought out a team of their employees to go harvest at Martinelli. I mean, to me, this is true and honest bridge building, you know, to feed people they don't even know. And so to me, I love random acts of kindness when you do something for another because you know it's the right thing. And Dusky, talk about when when people go to the store and they go to the produce section <laughs> and what what is the natural instinct for people, let's say they're trying to pick out an apple, is they want to pick the one that is the prettiest, that doesn't have a little thumbnail mark, that doesn't have a wormhole. Um, that's your natural inclination um, is to pick the the prettiest piece of fruit or the prettiest zucchini or whatever it is. And then what happens to all of that other stuff that has a little blemish on it or has a little mark on it? Well, this is, I love that you brought this up because then it helps me jog my memory of things to say. But so 40% of the food that is grown in our country is wasted. Yeah. And when food, that's an astonishing figure, 40%. And that's food going into landfill that doesn't account for the gas to move it around, the packaging, the labor, the energy, the water. Like there's so much more that gets wasted alongside. But 40% of the food ends up in landfill. And in landfill, it creates methane gas, uh, which is responsible. Food waste is responsible for 8% of our greenhouse gas emissions. Each and every one of us touches food three times a day. Can you imagine if we at least at least I know I'm I'm more. Can you imagine if because we all live here and we know the effects of climate change, we have seen it. If we could actually take away, you know, almost 10 percent. Of the greenhouse gas emissions, we could actually affect climate change and it's not that hard. And we all touch food. So when you think it's such a huge, hard thing, but going to what you're, what you just mentioned is part of that waste is not thinking something is pretty enough or the right size or shape or color. Um, and so my new mantra is ugly is pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I've started doing that. And you have to just make we a could have a TV effort. show, guys. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've started picking those apples and those that have like a little blemish on them because I know Do they're the they're deed. gonna get yeah. lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. <clears throat> but that's what it, that's what happened with commercial um, supermarkets that we used to go to. I think only that stuff used to actually hit the floor like they only put out and that's how they would put wax and shine them up and it was meant to attract attention to so attract your eye so that you would oh i take think people those things don't home. understand that like uh, the apples that are perfect looking or the tomatoes tomatoes like that's the biggest thing is like like the funkier and uglier and more misshapen the more juicy and delicious and yeah. yummy those are the ones that have the flavor <laughs> yeah, those are the better tomatoes heirlooms yeah like yeah. I, like you know that we survive on beefsteaks and romas in the grocery like no go to the farm and get the real food yeah. that's the nutrient rich and it's so tasty yeah. and is that yeah. part of what happens when you're going out in gardens that have been picked and you're doing the gleaning is it that they're just taking the prettiest stuff out of them or is it that those, some things weren't ready um it's it's a lot of reasons that that is one huge reason for gleaning but now like at haystack we have supporters that are entirely planting to give away so this place gives away absolutely everything it grows um 28,000 pounds in fact so far which every pound is four servings. So over 110,000 servings of food have come off of this property. Um, incredible commitment to make a difference. And so, so let's go back a little bit. Who who owns this and how did this all get started? Should I turn it to you, Jerome? Jerome, this is where we <laughs> what, did, where, <laughs> what, did, what got picked this morning? Uh, That's what well, I want to know. We got the and first- Then we can talk about the details. <laughs> Yeah, so we uh, got some new crops in this week. We got, um, we're very excited to announce that this is the first week we started growing and harvesting microgreens for farm to pantry. Cool. 
You know something about that, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, before I was full-time at Haystack, I had a microgreens business. And um, as Dusky was saying, you know, in 2020, once the restaurants closed, um, we lost all of that clientele. And that's what led me to become full-time here at Haystack. Good call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lucky for somebody. So, yeah, so we just kind of for give so us, many for uh, he's hundred, everybody's hundred thousand, hundred and ten thousand people. <laughs> um, so yeah, we talk just kind of like the history here and and how this place got rolling and and who's making it happen. Yeah, well, um, it's it's owned by uh, an amazing couple, um, and we'll leave it at that. They're uh, just absolute blessing. And it just kind of started as a vision that, um, you know, we would begin to farm and, um, you know, if you grow it, they will come. And um, so we started gardening and we started growing vegetables and then um, the flower additions came. And at that point, we really needed an outlet. Uh, and we were so blessed to have Dusky come through and really give the farm um, its purpose, which was growing for farm to pantry. And at that point, we installed this uh, additional five-acre vegetable garden um, that we're growing all of the produce from. And farm to pantry, I believe, got the very first harvest from this garden, which was in, uh, when was that? We planted uh, in May. Of, of 2021. Yeah. Maybe it was July. I don't know, but it was incredible. Yeah, May 15th <laughs> was the first vegetable planting and give it two months or so for right. the crops to start right, kicking right, in. Right. And um, we had a huge, huge first year. Yes, we it did. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> so what? So what? So what's got the microgreens growing? What else is? What's what's in the ground right now? What? Yeah. What are so like this is that the, transitional yeah. time of the year. Um, which is which is one of my favorite times of the year because we're still gleaning the uh, end of the summer crops, but they're kind of pooping out, right? The right. tomatoes are going down. The zucchinis are dwindling. Weird year for tomatoes. Peppers. <laughs> yeah. Cucumbers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the summer crops really are uh, tomatoes, peppers, eggplants, summer squash, winter squash, still a summer vegetable. Um, you got beans, cucumbers, watermelons. <laughs> um, so... We're still rocking all of that right now. Um, cool. But this week we got the first of our winter crops in. So uh, we, we can't forget your corn. Yeah, the corn, the corn, yeah, corn. is still to come, um, <laughs> as well as uh, we also have been doing potatoes, onions, storage onions, green onions, leeks, lettuces. Lettuces were back on the plate for the first time today, um, as well as some other cool season crops. First, uh, mustard greens, baby greens, lettuces, um, baby kales. But we'll Amazing be moving in. Mizuna. Yeah, that was great. We're moving into the broccolis, uh, broccolis, cauliflowers, cabbages. The brassica. The brassicas to me are uh, the cool season staple crops. They're right. the main crops. Right. Um, but of course, uh, Carrots have to be on that list too, totally. and those so, are coming. Oh, radishes! Yeah, radishes. We got radishes and on the list today. And apples and persimmons, and pears and strawberries. <laughs> Blackberries. It and just raspberries. keeps giving. Yeah, I mean the, the first the <laughs> first day I was here, we picked zucchini, peppers, 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 tomatoes, 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 apples. I think we went back for more tomatoes. What about eggplants? And eggplants. That was the main of our yeah. existence. Yes, last yes, year. it was. Yeah. It was eggplants. Um, I'm eyeing the olives actually right now. And, and, and I want to just, I just want to, for, we make period, olive oil. Make, oil with them. Yeah. I just want to say one thing, cause something that I, an experience that I've had, um, you know, through Sam, um, we started getting a CSA box, uh, not as often as I would like, but, um, from the Canard family, um, Yay, Canard family. Yep, yep. Shout out for the Canard family. And, you don't have the choice of what you go and buy at the store. They give you a box. And my wife, Terry, always says, okay, here's our challenge. We have to use everything in the box. Right. And it makes you think differently about how you prepare foods. And um, when you have that goal to use everything, it feels so good when you're done with it. 
Um, and so for all of you people out there, they're like, well, I like to go to the grocery store because I like to pick what I want. You know, you got to get out and, and well, try some other things. It's also like you're supporting directly a family. Right. Like your money is supporting that family at doing their art. And um, that feels good. But I also, for all the people that like to watch Food Network competitions, like now you have yours. Right. Your mystery, your mystery box. Your mystery box. That's where I learned how to what to do with kohlrabi. Was like someone was doing a like a almost like you would do a potatoes gratin. Yeah. Um, but they had kohlrabi, and then I think delicious. guy told them they couldn't go in the dairy aisle, so then they got coconut milk, and we're using that. Dude, and I'm like, yum. oh, coconut milk. Well, that sounds amazing. With a little ginger and chilies, like oh, yum. See, I'm all this over this. is what this. happens when you get a chef. I know. You have to make that for us. Hungry. <laughs> The noon, the noon podcast uh, after with a little bit chef, of wine, after a little wine and yeah. and no charcuterie. I'm really yeah. regretting our decision. I know. Who, I wish. Who I runs knew. this show? Can we can we talk a little bit about logistics? So like, you guys are growing stuff. You're picking it, and then what is? Tell me about the journey that it goes on and how it gets into people's mouths onto their plate. Yeah, well, I'd love to share uh, some of my experiences of um, delivering vegetables after we harvest, um, which I've only done a handful of times. But uh, we deliver to some um, of our low-income housing, as well as some apartment complexes, and uh, as well as soup kitchens and some elderly homes. But um, I really appreciate the low-income houses. Um, and, you know, when we show up to these places, you have, you know, three generations of, of women. You've got the, the mother with their, with their mother, the grandmother and the children, and they're all lined up. And, you know, especially the, Lat the Latino ladies are amazing chefs. And this food that they're getting from here is way fresher than what's in the grocery store because it's on their, <clears throat> their table in their fridge within an hour. Yeah. yeah. And they're out there and they're ready and they're so grateful and you know we put the the food out on the table and it's gone everything has been stocked in their refrigerators you know within hours of picking it and um the gratitude that's shown from people receiving the vegetables just like melts my heart absolutely yeah the yeah. smiles um the, i dropped off food the day and the smiles of the people like when they see you arrive you know and all they know is i have vegetables they're ready well, and, and real talking maybe dusky you can talk about this when you get a box of vegetables that was picked a few hours before it's delivered to your house and it's at peak ripeness and peak freshness uh that box of vegetables is worth more than equivalent weight of vegetables you could buy at the grocery store, like in, in actual nutritional value. Yeah. Like in, in feeding people, it's not just calories. It's it's like those trace nutrients is like what makes people healthy and happy and, you know, your skin glow and your hair grow long. I mean, you know, clearly I've been eating those vegetables my whole life. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, but really, that food is it's not just we have fresh farm to table food because we're bougie and cool it's we have fresh farm to table food because it, it tastes better and it is better for you right no it's uh, the nutrients we bring so generally what folks get obviously are canned and dry goods because they're shelf stable right. and they don't need to move fast what we what farm to pantry brings is what's not otherwise available to these families and um it's because you have to move it fast and we move it faster than the grocery stores because because right. we know where to land it. Um, and it so it lands at peak. It's picked at peak ripeness, full vitamins, full flavor. And not, so it tastes the best because you, you taste the vibrancy, but it also makes you feel the best. Right. Um, and so the story that I like to tell uh, is a story about a peach actually um, uh there's a farm in Healdsburg uh, owned by Doug and Cindy Lipton, who used to own the shed in Healdsburg. And Doug is one of our board members, and he has an incredible orchard of fruit trees, and we get to glean there. And the peaches on his farm are the best peaches I have ever had in my whole life. They are like take that Georgia huge. Yeah, Georgia has nothing on Doug's peaches. They're um you know, three times the size of this mic or maybe, um, and they are, uh, 
fragrant and floral and juicy and sweet and tart at the same time. And like you take one bite and the juice is like dripping down your face. And um, when we picked there in the pandemic, I it was a Friday afternoon and it was 105 degrees. And I, I made the team go out on an afternoon glean because normally we glean in the morning because that's the best time to pick, you know, and we deliver in the afternoon. But we had so many gleans to get to and I didn't want the peaches to not, like they weren't going to make it to next week. So we went on a Friday afternoon, which is kind of crazy. It was 105 degrees in Healdsburg. I was like, no, we're still picking peaches. So we picked all these peaches and I had a, my the shade. What? A, well, you can look for the shade. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking for shade under a peach tree. <laughs> but, you know, I was yeah, determined, exactly. you know, and meanwhile, many nonprofit partners close on Friday for the weekend, but I didn't care. I was going to find homes for these peaches um, Friday afternoon. So it's 105 degrees. My back of my pickup truck is now loaded with peaches and I have like two hours to, to get them all out. And I go to this, um, in the pandemic, uh, there was a tent vill village on the Joe Redota trail that got moved to the back of the Finley aquatic like where um, the Finley pool was. So I went to the tent village um, where the unsheltered had now had their tent homes. And I took a case to the gate and there's a security guard there. And so I can't go in. So I hand the box of peaches to the security guard and I say, can you go in there and ask them if I'm happy to give another box? I don't, but basically they have a day and a half shelf life, these peaches, because they're so juicy and perfect right now. Uh, if if they won't take another box, I will find another home or I'll give them a second box. So go back there and find out if people want these and will they eat them. So there's a fence there and they have misters because it's 105 degrees to try to cool everybody off. And I hear the people eating the peaches. Mm. And all I hear is, mm, mm, mm. and then somebody shouts over the fence, lady, lady, those are the best peaches I have ever eaten in my life. And what I felt that day is like the power of bringing a fruit or vegetable, it changes somebody's day. Yeah. Like that they can share this with their family and put it on their table, something that they can't buy and the flowers from haystack are also another piece of that so not only do they grow twenty-eight thousand pounds or a hundred and ten thousand servings of food here um they have given away thousands and thousands of bouquets at um vaccine clinics um uh with um meals on wheels with series so folks homebound with illness um and to all of the um affordable housing units. So they give away flowers. And to me, the flowers bring, like we change someone's face and day with the produce, but the flowers are extra because they provide dignity and they provide something you would never allow yourself to have when you don't have enough. Right. So um, like we get to bring smiles and joy on top of great good food it, it, it's yeah it, it's it's awesome um i don't know if i ever cried this much on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> so jerome yeah um does someone just like grow up and say i'm gonna be a farmer <laughs> it certainly wasn't in my background yeah i mean you, you're you're a young guy and um you know i i i guess the question Thanks. is is what Thanks, brought Bart. you to it um uh, yeah tending my first garden um which i would have never imagined would have brought me so much joy yeah. but um, who was your inspiration for that well you know the first off i actually started growing just some artichokes with my mom uh and you know artichokes you divide them and we would divide the artichokes and this and that. But then um, I worked for a local nursery and they let me water the garden. And then uh, one of the guys working there threw me some fertilizer and he said, fertilize the garden. And I'll never forget fertilizing this garden with this synthetic maxi fertilizer and watching everything just completely explode. And it just <laughs> blew my mind. I was like, wow, that was so cool. 
So uh, started bringing home the, the vegetable starts that they were throwing away. And me and my mom and I um, started planting more than just artichokes and the garden grew. We grew some tomatoes. Uh, peppers were big on the list that year. And uh, I just became obsessed and built 20 raised beds in my mom's backyard. And um, I was, you know, going to the Santa Rosa JC at that point, I was getting really good at vegetable gardening and decided, um, you know, I was going to quit my catering job and start offering this service in people's backyards. So I did that for a few years and started uh, getting a word of mouth around. Uh, I got picked up by St. Francis Winery and uh, did their first big project in the in the front of their field. And then- That's a beautiful farm. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I was very grateful for the yeah. opportunity there. And was that, that when Chef Brian Jones was there? Um, no. Um, I'm trying to recall the name of the chef. It's not the guy from Oso? Was it him? Yes. Yeah. Devin. Dave. Devin. Dave. There we go. Yeah. Chef Dave. I'm drawing a blank on his last name. He's great. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> he still is. Oso's great. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, so uh, I got snagged from St. Francis and uh, went to Domaine Chandon and they had a restaurant, Etoile, which had a Michelin star and a very small vegetable program that I took over. And we started, uh, you know, really nailing that down. And we quadrupled the vegetable program there, uh, which I ran for almost seven years. And uh, Chandon closed the restaurant down, which is a big bummer for everybody in the industry. But uh, I moved on from that to start a microgreen company. Um, and also was running a about 50 person at a time CSA I had had over a hundred different families join the CSA and I got to tell you running a CSA is the absolute hardest thing you can do in agriculture especially well, from my experience um, you know because you want to switch it up we've got six summer crops and they're continuously producing and you just get the same six things every single week and just to try to diversify that program was was really difficult for me um, and then, you know, we would grow microgreens and that was really easy and, um, and successful. And, uh, you know, with the help of distribution, we would hit up to 150 restaurants a week. Um, wow. and then that downscaled, uh, when, when we switched properties, we were hitting about 50 restaurants a week, which, which is actually more profitable. Um, but there was still something missing, you know, is that we were selling just really fancy greens to put, be put on really fancy dinner plates at, at nice restaurants um and you know the whole inspiration behind wanting to do this was to contribute um to to food systems and help people eat healthy um so you know that really helped me make it as a farmer but i really feel that i hit the satisfaction once once we started working here and i went from you know fancy greens on a fancy plate to working at Haystack Farms with Farm to Pantry. I mean, it couldn't be more fulfilling than that, so. Cool. Yeah, I say the exact, I mean, I'll just sing with you on that, Jerome, is that, um, so we are now at over five million servings that Farm to Pantry has gleaned since its inception, which is amazing to me. Um, I'm wearing the shirt today with the five million on the back, but um, so, uh, when we hit 2 million, which, <laughs> so the first year that I worked for Farm to Pantry, we hit 2 million. And I went to three properties that day to celebrate with the three teams, you know, the minute we were hitting 2 million. And um, uh, I I was at a farm called Farm to Fight Hunger, which is in Healdsburg, which is like Haystack in that it grows entirely to give away. Um, it is an amazing farm where the team is has been gleaning together for eight years. The same people go every single week. Um, but so I went there to harvest a head of lettuce, you know, as part of the 2 million serving. And I started to cry over the head of lettuce. And it was, it was exactly what Jerome just mentioned, which is I realized, you know, I was a farm to table chef for you know, two decades telling everyone to know the face that feeds you and to 
be responsible for the path of your dollar and um and only lucky people got to come to Zazu. And so I only got to cook for lucky people. But now, like this head of lettuce that I knew was so nutrient rich, and when you put it on your table, you were going to feel so good. Um, this head of lettuce was for everybody. It wasn't for lucky, just lucky people. Um, and so I felt like, wow, I, I can give this to everybody. It's not just the few. Um, and so it's the same satisfaction that's just like, and the fact that it takes an entire village, it takes all of these farms and properties and even one tree. Like this morning I was harvesting at Martinelli, like I said, on the apple orchard, but we had another glean at somebody's home that just had one fig tree and they gave us five pounds of figs and nothing is too little. Every little bit adds up. You don't have to be haystack with 28,000 pounds. You can have one tree in your backyard and we will come and we will share that food. So. And how do people, so yeah. number one, how do they get in touch with you guys if they have a garden or a tree, like huge fig trees? Um, yeah. Sam, you guys have a couple there in your um, in your complex that I have. I I've actually taken them before and then taken them down to the girl in the fig and traded for a gift card. Nice, Sandra <laughs> will. There's, Sandra there's will definitely do trade for you that happens on that. Uh, totally, yeah, like orchard, I, I'm orchard pro place. that. Get your cocktail allotment. <laughs> um, but then also, how do people get in touch with you if they're interested in having you come and drop off vegetables for them? So, uh, whether you are. A volunteer that wants to come out on a glean or you have a tree in your backyard or you want to plant an extra row. We have a program called Grow a Row where we support people that want to add an extra little bit um, either with compost or starts or a discount at a nursery or know-how. Um, but so That's cool. Yeah. So the, there are some compost. many ways to get involved with Farm to Pantry. Look at this gorgeous butterfly. Just it's a monarch. monarch. Epic. Yep. Uh, yeah. But so. Um, is that milkweed over there? No, what is that that just landed on? It's Mexican sage. Okay. They love the zinnias so too. Gorgeous. But so uh, farmtopantry.org is your website. There are three buttons there it is givers, growers, gleaners. So if you want to financially support us, hit the givers button. If triple you. G. Triple G. <laughs> Again, triple G. <laughs> Love you, Gee. Um, but so, um, givers, growers, gleaners, if you want to financially support us, you hit the givers. If you want to join us out on a glean, you hit the gleaners, um, which means you will volunteer for about three hours. It's so easy to volunteer with us. There's also the weekly schedule is posted on the same homepage. So you can hit the weekly schedule and you can see all the opportunities. But we basically glean on about three properties every single day of the week. Um, we need um, drivers too, because we have another program that is delivering CSA boxes to 300 families a week that we buy from a co-op of 80 farmers. So if you want to be a driver, like if you don't, if you want to give of your time, but you don't have the physical chutzpah to go out there and harvest, you can just sit in your car with your air conditioning and your radio, and you can give back to your community. So- um, podcast. <laughs> exactly. Listening to your podcast. <laughs> Listening yeah. to this podcast. But so, um, so, and there is for the growers, that's if you have something in your backyard and you want us either to pick it up or you want to drop it off or you want us to send a team to harvest. So. And, and I think for our listeners, you know, across the country uh, or the world that listen, um, you may not be able to come to Sonoma and glean. Um, but I guarantee you there's a farm nearby that would love for you to purchase from them directly or there, there right. are gleaning programs all over the all place. Over the there are. And, and all, all you got to do is go out and look a little bit and nothing will make you feel better than going out and harvesting um, food for people knowing that it's being given away to somebody. So. Well, and you know what? If you are listening to this and come to Sonoma or Napa for your vacation and come wine tasting and yeah. we have friends who do that from all over the country sign up for a three-hour yeah. pick yeah oh so, you know come to haste if you're in downtown sonoma if you're staying in the airbnb on you know fourth street east come walk over and pick vegetables for three hours before you go yeah. wine tasting go right? to go to go to farm to pantry um sign up for the email it comes every sunday 
Um, you click on it. It tells you the work that's being go, uh, going on, and, and you can sign up to come out and do this. It, it's really, really amazing. It's true. People are actually looking for experiences when they go on vacation. And, one, you know, they always want to come and get out in the vineyard and, and pick the grapes. But that's a, that's a flawed uh, yeah. system, putting anything I've actually sharp thought about in their hands because, of course, no, they're no, going to no. want to drink. Well, plus, you have to get up at, like, 3.30. That's brutal. Right. <laughs> Sam has a whole program where he's, he's going to, I don't know, sell to Google or something where it's a team-building exercise where they, they come out and they, they pick cross, an entire vineyard for you. It's like you know, cross-pick, yeah. Cross-pick. It's not CrossFit. <laughs> it's cross-pick. And just see how many 50-pound lugs you can run from a picker to a truck. Right. Yeah, it all sounds like fun until you actually get out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But getting out in the garden picking, that would be a great thing, actually, Bart, to do is uh, if you're coming to Sonoma and coming on vacation is just to get involved a little bit. Yeah. That'd be a, yeah, that'd and be see a good what day. it's like to be a local. You get to see really cool places like Haystack. Yep. This is an epic spot. Yeah. I, and I, I guarantee your best three hour, best morning activity you can do on your wine tasting adventure is spend three hours in this on this farm. I mean, one hundred percent. There's nothing lifetime you know, experience. Totally, You'd never forget cup, it. You know, get a cup of coffee and come mm -hmm. out here while the fog clears and uh, both both the physical fog and the fog in your brain and <laughs> and pick vegetables for a few hours. Uh, you know, then go have you know lunch on the plaza and come taste wine at sixteen six hundred. <laughs> it's a great day. Nicely done. <laughs> and know you made an epic difference. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So while you had good wine in your glass. Right, exactly. <laughs> and Tusky, what is going on with you and John? Has anyone tried to get you back into a restaurant? I, I That is always the question. And, um, I, you know. Um, How are the we, kids doing? How old are they now? We're not getting back in a restaurant anytime okay. soon. Okay. Jerome's um, <laughs> like, over here. Phew. Property owners over here at the barn listening, going, "Thank God." All right. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, we get we cater still, so we still get to work together. We food trucks, um, and you know, he's my favorite work wife, even though he's the husband. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so you can find out about where what food truck events we're at on uh, BlackPigMeatCo.com. Uh, cause we hit all the wineries we can, uh, we'll be, a, I don't know when this airs. When does this air? Uh, Friday. what's today? So Friday. Oh, Friday. Yeah. So this Saturday we're at Sagacio. Then Sunday we are at the Healdsburg Square for the Boys and Girls Club. Um, we, December 3rd, we'll be at Gunlock Bunchu. Um, where else are we going to be? We're going to be at Hook and Ladder in October. Anyway, you can find our whole. We're we're all about the good time. What are you uh, come <laughs> so, up? so it's still possible to get out there and eat some food that you've cooked. A hundred percent. Just not in a brick and mortar restaurant. Yeah, you Thanks. just have to follow us. Perfect. <laughs> and you got to taste the bacon. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the bacon. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, I don't. When are you guys gonna have to pass hey. by Oliver's? Since we're in the the food desert of Sonoma Valley, right. and pick me up some bacon. I have to tell you, the bacon goes with both of these wines. Right. I keep find, I keep looking, and I haven't found anything yet. <laughs> so dusky. Yes. You're in for um, chef cycle again. I have to tell you only because I see you. No, <laughs> like, no, I'm, I am, I'm totally in. I was just thinking today I need to sign up. I haven't signed up. Have I you? Mean, I have, I have. Um, have you I mean, started you, training? See, I, I don't train. Yeah, I mean, I just, <laughs> I just kind of ride. You know, I mean, that's that is what I do for my physical exercise. So it comes a little easier for me. Yeah. I always hope that maybe instead of you know weighing two eighty five, um, I would weigh like you know. To forty-five, but I think I, I it's it's extra exercise pushing you know an extra body up the hill. I look at it as that way. I, but but your team, your group is pretty inspirational, and and the what was it like five or six of you last year? You have a good time also while you're doing it. Well, we had say. last year we had Bacardi as a sponsor, so that was um, <laughs> kind of epic. Uh, <laughs> and you, <laughs> they made sure that we had a good time. <laughs> so it was it was the riding part of the, that was difficult, or it was the getting up to go riding part that was difficult. I'm not. But sure. also, honestly, so I don't. I'm. 
don't know how many of your listeners know Chris Cosentino, who's an amazing chef out of San Francisco. Um, He is an avid also chef cycle writer. And so for those of you on here who want to support chef cycle, you can go to ChefCycle.org and you can pick writers to support uh, and send your money to support no kid hungry, uh, which makes sure no kid goes hungry across our nation. So, um, but Chris Cosentino, um, this to me is the power of the group, just like what Farm to Pantry does every day. Like what we accomplish, one person could not do alone. It is it is absolutely everybody's hands in that make Farm to Pantry happen. Chef Cycle is also that incarnate. Look at this beautiful hummingbird. I just see, like I have the perfect view here. But so um, with Chef Cycle, if you asked me if I could ride a hundred miles one day, I would say, no, you're out of your mind. And if you said, can you do it a second day? I'd say, absolutely not. And if you said, can you do it a third day? I would say like, you're redonk. No way. With an expletive in between the no and the way. You can swear on um, the show. <laughs> and that's one of those things where it is the village that makes you do something beyond your power. Uh, I, the only reason I could accomplish this thing, I'm not an athlete. I am not a cyclist. I am not in shape. I like to eat and um, I like to be with people. Um, so, um, And I rode 300 miles and I helped raise over $2 million for No Kid Hungry. Um, and it is because of the village, like all of the 200 riders whose energy made you I was on the bike for 10 hours each day. Some people were done in less than five hours. Right. Um, I am Overachievers. Slow. You got you got more money. You, you know, you <laughs> I, got your money's worth. I was dead last, actually, uh, in 19. Right. Uh, I was the one of the very the last three riders. Yeah, but you were just, line. you wanted all the attention. I did. I got a police <laughs> escort. I had the <laughs> sirens, the lights. They shut down all of Santa Rosa. It was pretty epic. But, and it, it was really funny because the one reason I keep getting out asked back on these food network things is because I am the sorest loser. I am so competitive and I put on the pouty face and sometimes I cry and like, uh, you know, I say mean, no, I don't say mean things about people, but I, I do say sort of cutting things about my, my challenge competition people or whatever. But so I'm a sore loser. And, uh, after chef cycle in 19, when I was DFL with my dear friend, Dominica, she and I were the last two to cross the line. I called my husband and I said, I was last. And he was like, why are you so excited? I've never, I was like, dude, I finished. Like I did it. Like, I don't care that I was last. Like, um, but so to me, Chris Cosentino this year, when I told you, I questioned whether I could do it again, but now they're making it a little bit easier on those of us who are questioning whether we can do it again. But Chris Cosentino shoved me up every hill. He like put his hand on my back right. and made sure I made it to the top. And 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 that's what I was going to say about Chris. The, he, what he does, Chris could go out and do it in five hours easily. I'm sure. Oh, hundred percent. He could do it in three or and, two. And and we all ride a hundred <laughs> miles. And I bet Chris rides hundred and fifty miles because what he does is he goes and he rides along, and then he finds someone that made, needs a little support. He helps you, encourages you along for a while, and then he drops back and he goes back and he rides backwards and he finds somebody else. So he's doing loops and we're all just trying to get through it. So, but that's what it is. It's, you can do it because the group is so powerful Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's well worth it again. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. So let's give everyone info. Well, can I just say one thing that's sort of like the conclusion of, of all of this to me and with what, you know, no kid hungry and what we have the capability of feeding everybody in this country probably in this planet it's a matter of getting the food from get it grown and getting it from where it is to the people who need it um it's a matter of will it's a matter of will it's not a matter of means 100 percent um so uh, that's if if you don't get that from this um you're you're probably not going to get it (laughs) (laughs) you know um so uh (laughs) thank you know if it needs to be said a thousand times but thank you guys for what you're doing well jerome thank you for what you do it's a blessing to do it (laughs) especially thank you dusky for really exploding everything that's happened here and uh we hope it 
continues on to other communities outside of Sonoma County because um, this is, you know, kind of a new type of successful food system. It is. And um, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is a model for yeah. um, for communities out there. I, I think I'm sure there's I mean, there's tons to be learned. I'm sure you guys have know what's worked and what hasn't. Yeah. So um, and I'm somehow I feel that you're happy to share your experience. Oh, I totally am. So it, reach out to us at farm to pantry dot org. We'd love to have you join us and we'd love to support you in rocking your community to a good place. Yeah. And eat a few ugly vegetables. Right? <laughs> ugly is pretty, people. <laughs> Thank you. You know, you can cut the bruise out of the apple and feed it to the chickens. That's Put it in the compost. Totally. Yeah. I always say everyone needs a chicken or a pig in their backyard. Totally. I have seven chickens in my backyard, and not a goddamn one of them is laying right now. I'm, oh. I have seven chickens, and I'm buying eggs at the grocery store. It's driving me freaking crazy. They're all molt. They all decided to molt at the same time. I'm like, what the heck? I have, fe- I have, um, we're producing feathers. I'm gonna go yeah. into the pillow business. Make uh, some pillows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening. You guys, thank you so much. Thank yes. you for having. Oh, great having you on, and um, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. <laughs>